And that's really what I think makes people successful in business and in life is the ability to have more than one plan because everybody listening to this or watching this is hard. It's, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Stephen. Davin, I think you touched on something a little bit earlier. You said something about being a small town Montana boy. What is it about small towns and you know remote places like Montana where people are just different? Like somebody like that, what is it about working in downtown Dallas as a CEO of an organization? Like what is it that's how how is it that there's people who are just they're just made different for that type of living? Man, you know, so I, I was born and raised the first part of my life in the northwest part of Montana in a small town called Libby. Um, and it was a like a true logging town. You know, my grandfather was a woodsman. I can he was and he embodied what it meant to be to be a woodsman. But, you know, I mean, the town at the time, I that's don't know, not where that Navy SEAL guy came from, right? The- there is. Yeah. And, and I. He's from Butte. Okay. All right. right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the guy that Merck bin Laden, right? Yeah. He's from Butte. And, and I went to college for a couple of years in Butte. And I mean, it's, it's not, it's so utilitarian. You know, when you talk about a, a, a rural environment, like uh, oftentimes you have to grow what you want to eat. You have to build what you want to live in. It, it's not, you think about an urban area and, and everything is, is right at your fingertips and you have the ability to get a little bit of that instant gratification. But when you grow up in a rural area, in a more of a, like an austere environment. And, and I wasn't, I came from the opposite of money. The first part of my life was spending single wide trailers, you know, with multiple family members. And and so we really had to be resourceful to get the things that we wanted to get. Do you remember what it felt like to have your first job where you like applied for and um, mm-hmm. you went and talked to a manager who where you didn't, I mean, do you remember what that was? Like, I do, man. Yeah, it, it was, I was the ball shagger at the local golf course. So what would happen is on, on Mondays and Thursdays, they would have men's league and they would have a lot of, a lot of tournaments. We had, this is when I moved over to Shelby. So I was, I think I was 12 or 13 and really not even old enough to be working at the time. But, uh, but I just, I, I liked hard work from the moment I was really young. I hated when my parents told me to do stuff, but I loved the gratification of knowing that I had done a good job and made somebody proud of me other than my parents for somebody to give a damn about that. But you know, that's just standard, standard teenage stuff. Yeah. So anyway, this was back before the days of the cart that you, you drove with the roller and picked everything up. And I literally, Steven would have a bag shag in each hand. And this is in Montana summers and they have mosquitoes like pterodactyls up there. I mean, and they're just everywhere. So I would, I would walk and I would pick up golf balls on the driving range with these bag shaggers, just thunk, thunk one at a time. Oh, and no. I would have, I'd be wearing a sweatshirt and a sweatshirt wrapped around my head because the mosquitoes were so bad. Mm. And I bet you I got hit by no less than a dozen golf balls, full tilt golf balls, because people are still hitting on the range, but you have to pick up, you have to pick up all the golf balls. You have to get everything cleaned up. You have to clean the carts that night. And, um, you were talking about hard work earlier. So this story makes complete sense. Absolutely. Like it a hundred percent makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Quick story on that is my dad, my stepdad and, and his buddies were playing, they were in league golf and they were coming up. This was the ninth fairway and it was parallel to the driving range. And I had my back to to the driving range itself. And I was picking up golf balls and it was probably about the, the 150. And I took a line drive to the back. I mean, it was, it must've been, the guy must've hit a, like a, a, a driver one hop and just hit me square in the back. Mm. 
and I that hurts. I kind of that. do this, and and the, the the I throw the the bag shaggers, and they explode, and the golf balls just scatter scatter all over the place. And you know my my stepdad and and his friends, being the you know the level of alcohol consumption they were at the time, they were kind enough to laugh at me from the fairway and keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of jackets! <laughs> Which just Jack. you know, set me back like 30, 45 minutes or whatever. But you know all you do is you pick yourself up and you know oh, get your air gosh. back in your lungs and pick yeah. up the bag shaggers and go back to work, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I I can appreciate that. So you know, as you listen to this podcast, my my encouragement to you is uh, is go on LinkedIn, go. Go take a peek at what. Well, first of all, what social media channel or what channel are you most active on? Are you email? Or are you talking about like? Yeah, I mean, you know, for for me, I'm on I'm on um, Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I got rid of that just to like better my personal life. You know, just sure. not the the time I suck. Completely that is, get it. That yep. is Facebook. Um, yep. definitely definitely LinkedIn. Um, and then we've got a, a website for the consulting group. It's uh, upwardspiralgroup.com. dot okay. um, You can go check me out there. And there's a l- little bit about my background on that stuff. And obviously, you know, we've got a podcast for Access Points. And then Cody and I got the podcast, which is the yeah, Upward Spiral Group. You're kicking ass and taking names. There's no question about it. So your time in the military, it it was a it was an arena for you to go take that hard work ethic, you know, I guess appreciation, so to speak for opportunity. And you could go apply yourself. What, why did you decide to become a ranger? Like what, what was it there? Why didn't you just become like a, you know, artillery guy? Well, and again, like, like this that? is where I wish I had this like deeply rooted, like backstory. I get it. No, but, I totally understand. You know, I, I had a, a friend back home, David Lee, and, and he had an older brother, Brian Lee. And, and, He's an attorney now. Brian's an attorney now. But he was, at the time, he was, gosh, he was probably five, six years older than me. Okay. But he was a ranger, even second ranger battalion. And he would come home on on leave and have the coolest stories. And Brian was always just, he was just a badass. His whole life, he was a badass. And I always had a, a deep respect and appreciation for him. So when it came time to join the military, I mean, it really was either go back and work on the ranch and, and become really kind of the assistant foreman on the ranch that I grew up working on or go in the military. And I'm like, you know, I... I I loved hard work, so I really loved that ranch life. I I did, right? Um, but I'm like, you know, I, I knew I wanted more. I knew I didn't want that glass on to be low. Go go back, work on the ranch, make $3,000 a month, have a free truck, free place to stay, whatever. Life is... Very simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, right. of course. But of course, I wanted, I wanted a little bit more. So I'm like, I'm going to join the military. What do you want to do? I want to become a ranger. That was it. I, because my default was Brian Lee, the guy that I knew and respected the most out of the people that I knew that were serving, he was a ranger. So I'm yeah. like... He's a badass. Yep. I, I want to try and be a badass. Therefore, I'm going to go be a ranger. That. Yeah, and yeah. that was it. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's uh, it's amazing how your perspective up until the point, and you know, we t- last week there was a, a guy who had uh, was a pilot that you were talking to over a podcast. That it's it's amazing what your perspective is all the way up into that opportunity. You know, sometimes <laughs> you're prepared, and sometimes you're, you're just all right, let's go, you know, and you just, you happen to take that step forward. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking just a little bit earlier in part one, if we're able to salvage uh, some of that <laughs> audio there, uh, we were talking about part one and the training, the preparation, and then sometimes the willingness, like all of those coming together, you have to be willing to like, look like a doofus sometimes whenever you're going out, like on the rifle range, there's a real possibility that you, you don't know the remedial action whenever you have a, a some type of weapons jam or whatever, a double mm-hmm. feed. Um, and so you train really hard in the military to be prepared when things don't go right. And I'm, I'm just curious to see kind of your perspective on this one topic. And that is if somebody was going to go to school, like, right, they go uh, and they go and they, they get a business degree, for instance, and they go and they start gathering some work experience. 
how more prepared in your experience has somebody who's been willing to put themselves out there versus somebody who's gone like the way that you're supposed to, which I'm just, there's value in doing that, right? Cause I sure. mean, you could go to the Academy, right. And you go become a pilot or go become an officer in the military, but you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's value in both of those paths, but what have you seen to be the biggest difference between the two? It's the ability to have multiple contingencies, right? And, and that's really what I think makes people successful in business and in life is the ability to have more than one plan because everybody listening to this or watching this is hard. It is. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. That's right. Right. And your, your people. And again, this is not a knock on it because, you know, part of me, <laughs> there's been times where I wish I would have had the more traditional route of, you know, having college paid for by my parents, you know, experiencing the good life, going to college, joining a fraternity, going to business on and on. Right. But I, I obviously, this is I, meant to completely distract you from your yeah, answer, by the well way. Well done. And, and so, but I, I reverse engineered the thing, but I also had the ability going into this thing, going into business and, and backfilling that leadership domain and that real life domain with post-secondary education that I knew that it was never going to play itself out like I wanted to. So I had the ability to have multiple plans, but, but even more than that, Steven was when that plan did fail is not to dwell on it, not to let it drag me down. You just pivot real fast and move on. Right. And did the ability to take and apply that from, from that to other elements of business, especially inside of organization, um, has really helped access become a more agile, quickly pivoting entrepreneurial driven organization. Yeah. So when it comes to that compartmentalization, like that is the reason why it's so sought after is because it's difficult, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's con- that context switching, that constant every 15 minutes changing what your expertise is and then being willing to be interrupted in that, in that process. It runs counterintuitive to being critical thinking and deep work. It's like different than the way that psychology works and the way that our anatomy is designed. Help me understand how somebody who is, was it so much repetition through uh, the way that you train in special forces that prepared you for kind of the, the daily, I guess, attack of business or the day, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a, it's a really good question. A really good topic. It's again, you go back to, you know, on part one, we were talking about, you know, kind of defaulting back and following a plan, right? So in the military, whether it's in the range regiment or whether it's in traditional forces or wherever there's doctrine that we follow, right? So it kind of serves as that left and right limit for us, but you know, real life happens and can just kill and blow up doctrine and make it. And, and if you get so stuck on the book says we have to do this, right? In this situation, we have to do this. Well, if the enemy has a high ground on the right, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's, but there's a Creek on your left, it, those, those situational variables come into play that if you don't have the ability to inject common sense and experience into that situation, you're going to fail miserably. And so that's why, you know, that chosen route that, that, that I had, or the kind of the force route that I had was so beneficial is there's not a whole lot that you can throw at me in terms of people resigning, in terms of customers firing you, in terms of, of other elements that really have a tendency to throw businesses for a loop. You know, I've got so much repetition, you know, kind of getting kicked in the balls as it were on deployments in training with personnel, you know, that, that kind of that full gamut that you run as a senior leader in the military, that it's kind of a seamless application to business too. Yeah. Well, all it takes is a simple LinkedIn search, right? It doesn't take much to go on to a professional network like that and go look at organizations and who the makeup of those organizations are just reverse engineer that search criteria and say how many of them are special forces or how many of them have gone through a, um, you know, some type of deep 
repetition kind of training rich environment, right? Which is kind of what you do whenever mm-hmm. you're at certain, certain MOSs in the military. Yeah. You train like you fight. And, and some of the stuff that we would do, especially in the range regiment is we do stress shoots, you know, where it's closely replicate those combat stressors as, as much as possible. And so when the real life fight happens, you just kind of default back to your lowest level of preparation. And we just had a really high lowest level of preparation. And so again, there's, there's a lot of context. There's a lot of transition of that over to the business world. And you know, how are you developing your people as a leader? How are you growing your organization? Because nobody rises to the occasion, right? And everybody defaults back to their lowest lowest level level of preparation. I've heard that somewhere before. (laughs) I can't remember exactly where, but yeah. Um, Devin, I appreciate you taking some time being patient, obviously, with the uh, uh, dumbass that I was by screwing up part one there. Michael Drager. Just is what it is, yes. Um, Last kind of two questions. One, it has to do with, you know, there's there's a special place in your heart that you have for for folks that have served but don't really talk about it a whole lot, right? They they don't don't have to lead with the fact that it's – you don't wear your military experience necessarily as a badge of honor. It's, it's the lessons that you gleam from it, how you're able to leverage that to create opportunities for your family. Right. And you have an appreciation for the way that you were trained, but you don't have to lead with saying, Hey, listen, I'm here. I am. You're stepping into my office, but you know, address me as my title address me as my, you know, you are still very much an individual who's flawed, who's made a bunch of mistakes, who's parlayed, pick yourself up and dust yourself off. So when folks essentially, lead with the fact that they run a business do you feel like that takes from the value that they add to an organization or do you feel like like what does that tell you when somebody's doing that it it tells me that they're a little bit insecure right if they have to tell you that they're in charge if they have to tell you that they're the boss um, if they have to tell you the first time that you meet them that they were a first sergeant in the army then there's there's a level of insecurity that that happens as a result of that. And and they're trying to compensate by telling you that what their title, by leading with their title, yeah. um, by leading with their rank. And that's been something that I love so much about Tim Elliott, um, the CEO and owner of, of Access, is when, when we're out and when he introduces me to people, whether we can be at a business lunch or we can be at Grayley's having wine or at the golf course, he always introduces me as, hey, I'd like to you know meet my buddy Davin. And I 100% work for that man. And he's 100% my boss, but I've never heard him tell anybody that we've met that Davin works for me. He's my COO. It's always, hey, I'd like you to meet my buddy, my buddy Davin. There's another little faux pas for us right there, buddy. That's all good. That's, that's what happens. Well, it's a, obviously, he has a special place, not just in your heart, but a special place for a lot of people. I mean, he's he's helped a lot of people, but mm-hmm. it goes back to the difference between positional leadership and almost servant leadership. Like, right. Oh, yeah. You know 100%. what I mean? That's, yeah. And that comes through in how y'all work. It comes through in how you communicate with your clients. It comes through even with what it is that you're doing with other things, you know, real estate or uh, raising your son or consulting, whatever the case may be. So I like the, the last two questions I really wanted to ask. One was that about the difference between those two things and what that tells you. And then almost unrelated, the, the way that you consume information, you came across – uh, this negotiating tactic, and you actually did a, a three-part series yeah. uh, on one of your on the one of the podcasts that you talked about earlier. Access points, I think it was access. I can't remember which one. Yeah, it was. It, it was it was the access points podcast. Yeah, it was okay. All right, so the the negotiation and elements of that mm-hmm. kind of compartmentalizing. How did you come across that the Chris Voss experience? And then, real quick, if you could tell a story, <laughs> tell a story about uh, how well you thought you would do, that'd be fantastic. <sighs> So Chris Voss, it was a book and it might've been Tim that was, you know, like, Hey, have you, you know, and I'd done negotiating seminars and things like that in the past, but he asked, have you read never split the difference? 
like, I don't think so. And he's like, you got to read this book. And so I, I picked it up and I read it and I, I got it on audible as well. And it was like, I was instantly addicted to the, to the tenets of this book and the, and its applicability to business and really kind of life negotiations with your wife, your kids, whomever. And so I, I just it became my kind of my gospel when it came to interpersonal communications and especially business negotiations. And so I ended up going to, to one of his seminars and I went back to another one. Gosh, it was August, uh, about, a, so about a year, a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more. And it was on his negotiation tactics. And so they come in and they're, you know, kind of doing their introductions and Chris isn't in there yet and ask for volunteers. Like, Hey, who thinks that they kind of grasp this material fairly well? Of course me, like, you know, yeah, I walk in a room crotch first, you know, I'm yeah. like, I boom, this guy right here. So they take three of us back there. And they're like, okay, so here's the rules is you are going to basically be in a hostage negotiation with Chris Voss. You are the negotiator. For context, he, Chris Voss, see if you, all you're going to do is Google it. He's yeah. He, he's, lead, he was the FBI. lead counterterrorism hostage negotiator for the FBI for there like 25 go. years. I all mean, right. the guy's, he's brilliant. And you're going to be does. thrust into his, in a training environment with just going through yeah. that. Okay. And, and right, so they're ahead. like, here's the rules is that you are the negotiator. You can't basically trade the hostages for money, vehicles, weapons. There was a couple other rules that, 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 that you can't do. And one of the key questions, one of the cornerstone questions for his uh, methodology is, you know, how am I supposed to do that? That's kind of one of the, the basic things that you learn. And they said, one last thing, do not ask him, how am I supposed to do that? Because it's going to be a very, very bad day. So I'm like, I got this. You know, at this point, I'm like, maybe Even I though that's maybe, exactly what you maybe, were going to do. Yeah, was like, maybe I don't got this as much as I think I did, but yeah. I think I still got this. And so I walk out and it's in the room full of people. Chris is at the front of the stage. I'm sitting there and I got this, I got the microphone and they're like, and they say, ring, ring when you're ready. So I'm calling, I'm calling in. He's got the hostages ring, ring when you're ready. So I'm like, take a deep breath, ring, ring. And he says, you got 60 seconds to get me a car or I kill the first hostage. And at that point, like you're transported, you know, and he is very demonstrative and you're transported. Like all of a sudden I'm in some B rate, you know, flick where I'm the hostage negotiator and pleated pants. And, and, you know, he's, he's the guy in the bank with, with, with hostages. And I'm like, holy cow. So, you know, you start kind of diving into the elements of negotiation that I think are going to be successful relative to, to this environment. And of course, he's just tearing me to little tiny, tiny pieces. Of course. Yes. yes. So I'm like, uh, that, that was the worst thing ever. And eventually they cut when you get to a point where they know you can't go any further, they, they stop. Right. And the other two people they throw you a life preserver. They do, yeah. Cause they're like, this isn't going to be productive anymore. You're just no. kind of going in a loop and like, thank you know, due to your incompetence, everybody inside of that, <laughs> that falls. <laughs> everybody. It's like that scene from uh, Billy dead. Madison. Yeah. They're dead. It, yeah. People, people, yeah. uh, people are now. And I did a lot better than I thought. Um, you know, I, I made it, I made it like four minutes and 39 seconds into this thing or whatever. And the other two people were like 47 seconds, like a minute and a half or something like that. So it it went better than I thought it was going to go. But like you talk about the longest, I I thought we were going to get done and they were going to let us go for the day. I'm like, well, that took about four hours, you know, (laughs) of course, just, you know, sweating like crazy, you know, he, they did a really good job, but he also demonstrated the different elements of it is when he was super aggressive, then he transitioned over to, you know, kind of being flatline about it. And I didn't even notice that transition, but when they, he went to being friendly my demeanor changed completely because I started, I started, it was, it's that, that whole reflective thing. Yeah. Once he started kind of laughing and smiling and that's how they finished the whole thing up. Like it just, it's like this pressure release valve. So learned a ton that day, but I mean, it really, 
has become the way that I negotiate in business and life. So it was a really cool story and a really cool experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, it set the table for whatever the next level was in terms of generation mm-hmm. for your, you know, for your learning that way. And I think that, I think it's a good place to wrap for today. Cause right. Cause we, I mean, this is knucklehead podcast where we share, you know, things that you've screwed up, things that you've uh, quite frankly, just those kind of gut wrenching moments where, I mean, we had one a little bit earlier, but the whole point is, is like when you are doing a certain thing and you still screw up something simple, it reveals, oh, yeah. you, you know, a lack of preparation or you forget somebody's name whenever you go through a, a, a sales, but like there's simple things that can be significantly more and they reveal bigger things than, than really what it's coming across at that moment. And that's what knucklehead is, you know, not everybody's willing to share those screw ups, those, those mistakes along the way. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about a few things today and talked about, uh, primarily, you know, what you've learned from not just your military experience, but just kind of your upbringing, just that appreciation for work. And for those of you who are, who've actually spent some time in the military, my encouragement to you is to, to reach out and, and connect with Devin. He shared how he can get in touch with you. One thing that I, I want to wrap with and then we'll be done. And that is if somebody reaches out to you, what's the, be- like, what's the best, like the number one way for them to never get a response back from you? LinkedIn. Never get a response. Is LinkedIn. I, I just, it, it, get so inundated. And I know, you know, this as a business owner, I I get 50 emails a day from people wanting, you know, some level of business partnership. And and I, I don't blame them for it. It's again, it's an easy way to scale and grow your business, but it's just become a thing for me. Like I don't even check the messages on my LinkedIn anymore because there's hundreds of them and most of them are, are meaningless. So honestly, the, the best way is like, find me on Instagram or, you know, if you want my phone number, it's four, six, nine, six, six, eight, eight, six, eight, six. Shoot me a text. Give me a call. Like, like I, I'm happy to connect and I I'm super passionate about, you know, helping people leave the military the right way or being that beacon of light and showing the world that veterans were not PTSD riddled, you know, basket cases. Like we are the most capable, competent force in the world that can do anything we set our mind to. So like, I, I'm super passionate about it. So reach out to me any way that you can find me, but LinkedIn, cause I'm not going to respond to you. There you go. All right. So <laughs> all this talk about LinkedIn, it's all for not. Don't reach out to him there. What is your Instagram handle then? What is that? Davin Marceau. Oh, that's simple. All right. But you're like, for some reason I was thinking it was a different handle. Yeah. It was, it used to be not so bright. N-O-T-C-E-A-U-B-R-I-T-E. But you know, it's not that anymore. It's not that anymore. Just Davin Marceau. Like okay, we keep things simple. simple. I like there that. That's much, much more simple. All right. Well, Davin, I appreciate you taking some time. I can't say it enough for all the things that you've been able to help me with professionally over the last couple of years. Anyway, Davin Marceau, COO, Overt Access, E-Forms, uh, overall badass Army Ranger. Don't want him to tell you otherwise. So thank you for taking some time. Yeah, Stephen, I appreciate your time. We've had a, a good long run together and a good long friendship in, in addition to this business partnership. So appreciate you having me on. Happy to come back anytime. And I'm looking forward to our continued business relationship as well, with or without the, yeah, uh, the, 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 the SD cards. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you bet, guys. Have a good rest of the day. For those of you like listening, Knucklehead, new episodes coming at you every Tuesday. A lot of great things happening over here at Knucklehead. So anyway, Davin told you how to get in touch with him. You know how to get in touch with me. Talk soon. See ya.